Hey guys, welcome to the Kevin and Fred show. My name is Kevin Kaufman. I'm your host. And I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to listen with us this week. Do me a favor. If you don't mind, before we get to today's guest, head on over to ratethispodcast.com. That is ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA. That stands for next level agents. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA and leave us a review or just go to any podcast player that you prefer and uh, look us up, The Kevin and Fred Show, and please leave us a review. That is the best way to support our efforts here in the show. All right, let's get to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on The Kevin and Fred Show. And uh, today I'm joined by my new newer friend, Gary Pickering. Gary, how's it going, buddy? Doing good, man. How are you today? Doing pretty good, man. I'm glad, uh, glad you and I got the chance to connect a, a friend of mine and uh, former podcast uh, guest as well, Garrett Maroon, uh, connected us not too long ago and uh, recommended that I be on your podcast and you be on mine and thought we'd be a good fit. And uh, and he was right. I, I got to hand it to that guy, Garrett. He, he's a good one. Um, yeah, I like him. So, Gary, let's start this way, um, if we could, for the listeners that maybe don't know you yet uh, or just aren't as familiar, give us a, give us a little background on who you are and just a little snippet on your business. Cool. I've been a real estate closing attorney now for about 26 years. I'm at Blair Cato Pickering Castle Line, which is in Columbia, Greenville, and Lexington, South Carolina. And in that time frame, I've done probably 30,000 plus closings. But the main thing I like about what I'm doing is I'm really concentrating on the marketing aspect of Blair Cato and trying to find things that really differentiate us in the market from anywhere else. Um, I teach real estate agents. I have a real estate broker's license. I'm a certified teacher, and I'm also a real estate commissioner in South Carolina. And what that means is I'm one of the people in the state that governs what real estate agents do and unfortunately have to punish them when they don't do right. But uh, I got that gig because I was representing real estate agents for about uh, 10 or 15 years, and I kept beating up on the real estate commission. So they said, hey, I need you to be on our side. I'm over and here. I'm like, well, yeah. only if we can help the agents. I'm not interested in trying to punish them. I really want to go try to make things better for them. So that's why I finally got on the commission. I love it, man. Uh, and let's see, I normally wouldn't do this, but um, being a closing attorney, not everybody, uh, you know, like as an example here in Arizona, we don't, we do not have right. closing attorneys. Uh, it, some, some states are, some states are not. Give for the listener that's not familiar with what a closing attorney is or does. Can you give us like a kind of a reader's digest version of that just to give yeah. the listener an idea? It's a lot what your title states do, but in South Carolina, you have to have a lawyer do the closing. So the closer, closing attorney is responsible for abstracting the title, making sure liens, judgments, lawsuits, and all that are, re, are caught and paid off. We prepare the settlement statement. We go over all the documents at the closing with the consumer, get all the documents signed. We're also responsible for recording them and dispersing them. Okay. Um, and so now is there also a title company involved in that process? Right. So we write the title insurance for the title insurance companies, and we write for about seven different ones. Okay. So you write the title insurance for them. Okay. So, right. um, all right, great. Not to, not to go into the, all the differences between yeah. title and escrow states and attorney states, but I, th I thought it's a good idea to kind of give that background. Cause I know there's some people going, wait, what? So yeah, there's not a lot of us left. I think there's like seven or eight States left in the United States that are, is, is that board. all? Not many of us left. Even Virginia just went a couple of years ago to a hybrid where you can be a closing attorney or a title agent. Interesting. I, I did not know that. And so now you said, so you've been doing this for 26 years. Did I hear that yep. right? Yep. So you're still trying to figure out if you like it or not? 
Uh, yeah, I pretty much don't like, no, I, I don't like lawyers. <laughs> I just don't. Uh, so I pick the type of law that is most conducive to having happiness, which <laughs> is people buying houses. <laughs> and I don't have to deal with lawyers this way because we represent both the buyer and the seller on this side. So one thing in law we're allowed to do in South Carolina is represent both parties. So rarely do we have to deal with other lawyers and rarely do we have to deal with people that are mad or pissed, you know? Yeah. That's, that's cool. So what, uh, so was that the thing that got like, got you into it literally is you just didn't want to practice any other type of law or was there, was there an event or something? Yeah, I started practicing. Uh, well, I, I was, let me back up. When I went to college, I went to a school called Walford, which is uh, in Spartanburg, South Carolina. That's the team that almost beat Kentucky in basketball two years ago, a couple of years ago in the playoffs in the, in the tournament. And while I was there, I worked for a real estate law firm and Frank Mann was kind of a mentor to me. And I got to see what he did and he kept telling me it was a much better lifestyle than what most lawyers do because you aren't living by the clock. There's not point one this and point two this. And it, and he's right. It's you have a set fee. This is what we charge. We do the work. We do the closing. People are happy. People like you. You get to be part of an industry. And, you know, it is an incredible industry, the real estate industry in of itself, because I've met people like you, Krista Mashore, Garrett Maroon, uh, the real estate marketing dude. I meet all these great people that have so much in common with each other. And we like to share our stories and help each other. You don't get that in the practice of law. Nobody wants to help you. They want to beat you. Right. And so it's nice to be in an industry where everybody likes each other and we try to get along with each other, whether you're a lender, you're an agent, it's, it's just a great community. And it's a community that doesn't really care where you come from, what you look like, who you love. Nobody cares about that. And at least in the Columbia, South Carolina market, it's just one of the most diverse communities where everybody just gets along and it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is no doubt about it. So what I mean, so you've been doing this for 26 years. I mean, what is it about real estate? Um, well, let me ask you this, like, have, have you ever been tempted to just go, hey, you know what, this is fun and everything. But because, you know, obviously, you, you mentioned being the person kind of in charge of the marketing. Uh, and have you ever have you ever thought, of going, you know what, maybe I should just spend all of my time and effort and energy on going out and just generating business and actually transacting myself? Or is there something about the, the title side, the legal side of it that, that keeps you drawn in? Well, I love doing the closings because when you do closings, you meet some very interesting people, some people that have just neat perspectives on life and you get to meet and just learn a lot. And I'm all about learning different people, different cultures, where people are from, what they do. And where I'm from in Columbia, South Carolina, we have military, we have government, and we have university. So people come and go through Columbia all the time, which makes it a very vibrant market. But it also makes it a market where you're meeting people from California or Florida or Alaska. And so you're getting to meet people and ask them questions about what they're like. Where was it? What was it like where you lived? What was it like? What was the housing like there? And so there was always uh, interesting things we get to do there. Um, I really enjoy the marketing and the I've always told people that I feel like I'm a marketer that just happens to be a lawyer, you know, sort of like yeah. uh, what Zillow is a marketing company that just happens to pick real estate. Right. I mean, Zillow is not really a real estate company. It's a marketing company that just uses real estate to market. But I've been very fortunate in the company that I'm in that I helped found uh, about six, seven years ago that we have put ourselves in particular lanes and says, and they say, Gary, you're good at marketing and business development. That's your lane. So you concentrate on that Rex, you like the firm management. I hate firm management. If I had to firm manage, the firm would be out of business in two weeks. And so he gets to do that. Cynthia Blair in my office, she loves doing the, the systems, the programs. I hate that. I couldn't do it. So I've been very fortunate with the people that I'm with 
that they let me succeed at what I like to do and excel at what I like to do and not have to do the things that I despise. And that's what real estate agents really should be looking at too. Cause I think a lot of agents think they have to do everything, but if you're an agent that's just really good at working with sellers and you hate working with buyers, you should be looking at branching out and forming a team and having a person who works with just a buyer so that you can excel at what you're best at. I think yeah. we overlooked that a lot in our industry. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think today it's a little different today where teams are a whole lot more prevalent. And I think a lot of newer agents coming in and realize um, starting, at least starting on a team is a, is a really good idea. So I can kind of get good at one part of the business Um, because there's no doubt when you get really good at something, you know, you should probably just sort of really dig into that as opposed to, like you said, trying to do everything. Cause when you, when you first get started as a real estate agent, um, you are in charge of everything, the marketing, the paperwork, the sales, right. The, the coordinating of, of paperwork and all that other stuff. And let's face it, no one's good at everything, even though a lot of us in real estate like to try to act like we are. Oh yeah. We're, we're great at everything we do. Right. And yeah. lawyers are notoriously bad at marketing. I mean, we are the worst marketing group in the entire world. And so to find the, a law firm that gives you the ability to actually do the marketing you want to do. I mean, we try to do things so different than other people. Like for instance, for a long time, I had a show called three dudes watch the bachelor. And it was me, another real estate commissioner and a lender. And we would watch the bachelor and then we would comment on it. And it was this little marketing piece we did. We sent it out through bomb bomb and it got on YouTube and it was a conversation piece that when people came into the office, like, oh, you're the guy who talks about The Bachelor. Yeah. Just yesterday in church, the guy asked me, he goes, are you still doing your Bachelor show? I'm like, man, I've done that in like two years. But that's just how we tried to come up with the, the ability to do things so differently. And unless you have a law firm or a real estate agency that allows you or a team that allows you to find your niche and run with it, you can't do that. I mean, if I had to do the management, the, the programs and all that other stuff that a law firm has to do, I wouldn't have time for that. Yeah, I hope I hope you as a listener right now are really hearing what Gary's sharing because that is so valuable to be able to find your place in your business, whether it's your team or another team uh, or brokerage or whatever it is that you do, um, and just find the thing that you that you're great at and that you like doing. Here's the thing, uh, and I'd love to hear your thought when I say this, Gary. Is to me, success is usually fairly boring because you've got to do, you basically have to do things over and over and over and over again, right? You've got to get really good at doing them and kind of get comfortable with, with the kind of the boringness of all that in order to create some amazing results, which means first you got to find the thing that you're willing to do effectively at nauseum so you can get so good at it that you create the type of income that you desire. Right. And a lot of it's creating that niche. What's that niche thing that you do that separates? And I keep using the term being a differentiator. And with our low inventory where we are today, what is making you stand out amongst other agents? I mean, if, if I can replace you with another agent and not notice the difference, then you've become nothing more than a commodity. And a commodity is irreplaceable. You can replace it with anybody. And a lot of people, unfortunately, look at closing attorneys as commodities. I can just get another closing attorney to do it. They look at real estate agents as just another commodity I can and I can replace. So unless you can show in the marketplace that you have this passion or this niche that you're so good at, like I'm the best with military buyers or I'm the best at uh, retiring people who are downsizing, unless you can show that you have some knowledge, like 
I have been very fortunate in my career because I've represented about every real estate agency in town. I've represented 50 or plus real estate agents at the Real Estate Commission. I helped write the contract for our community. I wrote the South Carolina Seller Disclosure Form um, with, a, with a group for the state of South Carolina that I became this all-knowing person. Now, we're not allowed to use the word expert, but people kind of view me as that, that in the marketplace. And so my niche was, I'm going to know more about what real estate agents do from a real estate closing attorney perspective than anybody else in town or anybody else in the state. And over the years, I've been able to develop that reputation. Most closing attorneys couldn't tell you the first thing about what a real estate agent does. They don't know what the IDX feed is. They don't know what the you know, dual agency is and how to explain it. They don't understand designated agency. I've made my whole career on that. So that I'm taking your exact advice there, which is I found the thing is it was something I just had to get in and just hammer away at and just understand our statute and then implement that as kind of my niche and show that as my differentiator. And that's been my, what's made my career blow up. Yeah, that's awesome. There's no, no surprise to hear, you know, to know um, that, you've, that you've become as successful as you've become because of like knowing that you've done those things. Um, all right. So I want to, let's do this. Cause so when I was on your show recently, or when we recorded recently, you put me on the, on the spot a little bit on, I don't want to say predictions, but kind of what, you know, what's to come and, and, and whatnot in the future. You're, you're obviously such a student of the industry, what's happening both on the local market in the local market there for you, but also just in the industry as a whole. I'm curious, uh, you and I are recording this, what we're towards the end of March in 2022. Um, what, what do you think, what's your take on like the future of real estate? And I'll say that I'll divide that into two. I'll say for the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. And then maybe let's even push beyond that uh, five, five, 10 years as well after that. Okay. So I think for the next 12 months, we are going to continue to struggle with inventory. Uh, I was at a conference that WFG title insurance company did down in Orlando last week. And all of the speakers they had, we're showing the stats that just show we're, we're going to have a tremendous inventory problem probably for the next two to three years before this works out. So I do think inventory is going to be tight. So what that means, again, is going to go back to what agents are going to work the hardest. And, and that's, you know, you say, well, we all work hard, but the agents that truly set out plans, game plans, implement them, get coaches and understand that it's, it's not a, I work when I have a client job. I work more when I don't have a client job. Right. Um, and I think that for the next 12 months, those agents that are hardworking and can show tr true value to their clients are going to be the ones that are going to survive in a tight inventory market. So I, I think that's something we're going to struggle with. Um, Economy-wise, inflation is going to last with us for, I do believe, for at least two to three more years. And economic policy, when you make an economic policy decision today, the ramifications aren't felt for two years. So the, the issues that we did in 2020 with COVID are now being felt in 2022. All the money we spent in 2021 and 22 will fill in 23 and 24. So inflation is going to continue, which means our house prices, I think, will continue to skyrocket because we have low inventory, high demand. Um, I do also believe you have this big market of people that are going to go out wanting to buy houses. We're, we're in the Generation Z uh, and, the, and the millennials. You know, most people don't realize millennials are now in their 30s. Um, so millennials will continue to be a strong market and that Gen Z now is coming in. So I think that's the short term of where we're going to be. Long term, I think the, the big key on long term is I think technology is finally catching up with real estate. 
Uh, PropTech has gone from spending just tens of millions of dollars to spending billions of dollars. And what you're going to continue to see is AI, I think, is going to overtake a lot of what we do in our marketplace. Uh, I had a gentleman on my podcast called Dish and Dirt, and he talked about his AI program that can be more human than a human in a way. I mean, it's he said that 99% of the people who re, who get text from his AI believe they're corresponding with a real human being. So I think a lot of what we do in terms of lead gen is going to be all automated through AI. I think a lot of what we do on our end is going to be automated through AI. And I think you're going to start seeing uh, Ron, the remote online notary is going pretty crazy right now. Most states are in, implementing that. So I think you're going to start seeing a lot more remote closings where people don't come to the office to close. They do it from whatever town they're in, whatever house they're in. And I think technology is going to continue to change. And I'll end on this. You know, here we are in 2022. And I was at a conference last week and somebody was like, well, I need to get on video. And I'm thinking it's 2022. And you're thinking you need to get on video. You need to get on video in 2019. And you were already late in 2019. And there's agents that still aren't on video. You, you know, it's, 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 it's got to get ahead of this guy. You say that, and I'll never forget, I was in I was in the Bay Area in California. I think it was in San Ramon teaching a class to some of the, the top producing agents in the entire marketplace. Um, and uh, I don't know, there's like 125, 125-ish agents in the room. And I, I just did a poll. I've literally been using video in my business since 2009. Started a video blog November of 09 because I read Gary Vaynerchuk's book, Crush It. And my business partner and I started a video blog immediately. And when you do video, it's, uh, it's easy to think that everybody does it. And so I pulled the room and, you know, and so that was coming up like, the yeah, well, everyone's doing it, blah, blah, blah. So I just pulled the room. And of 125-ish people, I don't think there was more than five or six people that said they were doing video consistently and had been and will continue to. And I'm like, everyone thinks that it's like everyone's doing it. And the reality, it's not everyone is. Almost, In fact, almost nobody is doing it, which is an even scarier proposition when you add that to the fact of what you just said, which is like, you guys, this was so a couple of years ago, like we now have to do it just to just to stay relevant just to be at zero particularly just to just to stay at zero so we don't get too far behind if you're a real estate agent it's a simple thought process when you go to reels or tiktok or facebook or instagram how much do you read you don't you just flip through and look at pictures so why do you think your clients aren't doing the same thing they're doing exactly the same thing in fact my law partner is notorious for writing these four page emails to me about things you know for title issues I hit delete and I walk over to his office and go, what is this? Because nobody wants to read anymore. In fact, all the stats will tell you, you get three sentences. After the third sentence, they're done. They've already hit delete and they're moving on. There's a hashtag for it, TLDR, too long, didn't read. Yeah, exactly. And nobody's reading these days. So you've got to get in Facebook, get on um, video and get out there. I have started Bomb Bomb. I do legal tips every Friday. And I send it out. I got 4,600 subscribers to it. They're all real estate agents. I have had over 1 million opens by my circle that I'm trying to target in two, less than two years. 1 million times I've gotten in front of 4,600 agents. You can't get on TV and get that kind of return. Nope. And so 
you know, one of my good friends, Eddie Yandel, who owns a, a builder, he's a builder here in town. And he told me one time, he goes, if you're not changing your business platform every two to three years, you're two to three years behind. And he's absolutely right, because I would tell you this, Kevin, go back and pull your MLS report from 10 years ago, five years ago, and two years ago. And look at the agents 10 years ago who were top 10 agents. Probably none of them were top 10 agents today. Go back five years, and maybe one or two are, and then go back two years and you maybe have five are. The point being is the real estate market continues to change. And when you go back and look at those agents, you know, 20 years ago or 15 years ago, it's like, I'm not doing internet. I'm not doing social media. I'm not doing Twitter. I'm not going to do text messaging. All the I'm not going to do's are not selling real estate. Exactly. Or, you know, or, and they're, or, they're already declining and just don't realize it yet. Cause maybe they got so good at something right? built a, a, a moat around it to a certain extent. Um, but it's deteriorating. Let me, I'm a, I'm a closing attorney, Kevin, and I do a video blog. I have a podcast that has thousands of view listens each week. I have a te- we have televisions in our room that have all kinds of marketing stuff. We've created signs. I now have my own beer. We got a Blair Cato has its own beer called closing time. I mean, it even has on the back of it and says, why don't do we have our own beer? So it's because we like beer better than lawyers. I mean, we are always having to do something different. A, because everybody copies in our marketplace what we do. And then B, I got to stay ahead of the game. Yeah. This is our latest staying ahead of the game. Okay. So let me ask you, I'm going to come back to the beer in a moment, but before I want to go back to something around um, that, that I thought of while we were talking about kind of the future and, and inventory specifically. So in Phoenix, this is true, and I'm fairly certain it's true for there too, and so many other parts of the country, we have more, um, what's the word I'm looking for, institutional buyers than ever. And I'm not talking about the companies like Open Door and OfferPad that flip homes. I'm talking about the companies um, like Blackstone, et cetera, that come in and buy homes for single family rental and put turn them in rentals forever. And the types of homes that are literally never going to come back onto the market. And they're typically the entry point homes. So think of it in terms of first time home buyer homes. Um, and I'm curious, you know, I know what, it, I know what those numbers are here and they're buying them by the thousands every month. Um, what do you think the future impact is two, three, five, ten years down the road of these companies that are now REITs, if you, if you will, real estate investment trust used to only be a thing in like commercial real estate. And now all of a sudden in the last uh, 10 years, like single family residential rentals have become uh, an asset class for, for REITs to invest in. What's your take on what that impact is going forward? Well, it obviously is going to impact inventory because when you have a REIT, particularly in a small, we call them head, big hedge funds, they do it here as well. When you have a community the size of Columbia, South Carolina, and then you have a hedge fund coming in buying 125, 150, 200,000, 200 houses rather a year, it takes all that market off for the people that are trying to buy to live in the house. And so it's raising our prices. The, the average house of prices in Columbia, South Carolina is going up. It's still one of the cheapest places in the country to live, but our prices are going up quickly, quick, quicker than most people here in Columbia can afford. So in the short term, I think prices will go up. Inventory is going to be a, continue to be a big problem. 
ultimately, though, what we see in these investments, and I think you probably agree with this, three, five, 10 years down the road, as the market becomes more of a buyer market, and at some point it will, if you remember 2008, 2009, you couldn't beg a person to even come look at your house, much less buy it. Um, that's when those hedge funds go away. Right now, they know you can buy a house here and your value is going to go up 10, 15, 20% every year, and there's a good return on that property. But when and the demand and the supply equal out or become more buyer friendly. I think at that point, you'll start seeing some of these REITs leave and then that will obviously help inventory. But in the short term, they're driving prices up and it's driving prices up at the lowest level of the market, which is the affordable housing market. And that's really what's hurting is that it's really hurting affordable housing. They don't drive up the, the half million dollar and million dollar house markets. Well, you know, I think what, what I think about this, my, my biggest concern um, is for and I want to, I'm going to disclaim this first. I'm not one of those guys. This is everybody has to own real estate and there's no other path to wealth outside right. of this. I'm not that guy. Um, that said, what concerns me the most about these, about these REITs, uh, these, these hedge funds is there is, there's no, I know plenty of people that literally that work for these companies. There's no, there is no planned. There's no exit. The exit strategy is the monthly income and the services provided around that. So knowing that we take away this whole um, entry point into the market, what I think about is, okay, where do most families or people get the, in, get the money for their second home? Say as a family starts to grow, if you have a family, mm -hmm. um, oftentimes that money comes from the equity gained on the, on that first time home, home buyer home, right? And so if we have less of those available to these people, what does that do to that, that second home, you know, and so on and so forth, kind of trickle down from there. Yeah, it could also delay the first home because if the entry wow. level home has now become the value of what a second home would be for somebody. And then the problem is, you know, in real estate, the longer they delay getting into the housing market, the, they're not building any more equity. And so they're always chasing. And with inflation as bad as it is right now, they can't save enough money to say, to stay above the price increases. And so that's going to hurt them even getting into the entry level houses at this point to even get to that second house. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just, if you can even find one, you know, if you're agent and then if you can get one locked up, you know, between the other 20 offers that are on that same home, it's wild. It is, it is a wild, wild thing that we're dealing with. And, and I think the impacts kind of like you mentioned about uh, monetary policy, not really being felt for a few years down the road. I think this is the same thing. Like we actually won't really feel this or, know the impact of it for quite some time. Do you ever remember saying the word appraisal gap before? <laughs> <laughs> well, so ironically, uh, I do, but this is, so this is interesting to me. So my, my business, we started expanding into other markets. That first market we went to outside of Phoenix was Denver in late 2014. And the Denver market then was going crazy like everywhere is now. Mm -hmm. And that we literally started dealing with appraisal gaps then um, in 2000, 2015. I remember we sold, I don't know, 100 houses or so in Denver. And I don't know what percentage, I'd, I'd guess 60% of them had an appraisal gap on it, but what? it was only Denver. And then it was like, like now it's it literally everybody, all, you know, all cities and states and, and for the most part, like are all dealing with that. And it, you know, it's become, it's become, like you said, like, you know, it's everybody deals with it now. So. 
pretty you know i've been doing this for 26 years and we were talking about this the other day is in my 26 years we've had 9-11 we've had coronavirus we've had 2008 we now have appraisal gaps multiple offers and inventory shortages and what does that tell us it's all going to change every couple of years there's going to be something else we have to deal with it the strong survive those who are willing to adapt those who are willing who, to, to differentiate themselves from others, those who are willing to go beyond just customer service, but true value to your consumer, not just I'm the best, but I actually provide true value for you. Those are the people that survive the ups and downs in the market. And that's where we are now. Mm -hmm. Survive this, this up or down, whatever you want to call it. I guess it's an up. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. People are like, oh, you're in real estate. Yeah, it's so everything's so good right now. And I'm like, no. No, like, trust me, no one's having fun in this market. Like, yeah. it's funny, the, the average person thinks, oh, the market's hot. So that's good. I'm like, eh. no, it's, I mean, it's good if you're selling a property from how much, like, for everyone else, it's terrible. Um, it's not a fun, it's not a fun thing to deal with. But it's interesting perceptions of that. Gary, let's do this before, before we start to, to wrap up. I want to get you mentioned your podcast earlier. Can, can you say the name of that again for us? Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickering. Dish and Dirt. Dirt. Perfect. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, is there any other way for the listener, whether they happen to be local to you or just from around the country, kind of interested in what you're doing? Is there any other way for them to, to sort of reach out and follow along with what you're doing, like social media wise, or, or what's the best way for people to kind well, of they go to our firm website, which is Blair Cato, B-L-A-I-R-C-A-T-O.com. And we have all kinds of resources for real estate agents on there. I have a book that I wrote on seller disclosure, um, links to our podcast, link to some of our videos. Um, you can always drop me an email at gary at blaircato.com if you want to get on our subscription list for the uh, legal tips. We can send those out. I, I got people all over the country who get those now. And on Instagram, I think I'm Pickering Gary, which is P-I-C-K-R-E-N-G-A-R-Y. Awesome. And we'll we'll link to all that stuff in the show notes. All right. The beer. All right. What, give me, give me that. So uh, I know you mentioned that earlier, but where did that idea come from? And uh, and how did you, like, how did you pull that off, man? man it, it's probably the greatest thing I've ever done. And I feel like I've finally arrived. You know, I walked around today because it literally came in this morning and I walked around holding it like this, just walking around the office, showing everybody. And they're like, you act like that's your child or a dog or something. I'm like, dude, it's the greatest thing I've ever come up with in marketing. And how it works is every October, we do a fundraiser for the military. It's called the South Carolina Military Family Care Association. It's a big Oktoberfest. Well, next door to our office in Columbia is Columbia Craft. And so the owners of Columbia Craft are big into real estate and they bought our office building and wanted to sit down and meet with me one day. And they came in and said, we want to be in business with you. We want to do some of the events that you do. We see you do a Cinco de Mayo, you do an agent event. We want to be part of that. And I'm like, okay, well, sponsor the Oktoberfest because it's for the military. And I said, but really what I want to do with you is I want to do a beer with you. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I have thousands of people that come into my office every day for closings. They do a closing, they get a beer, they get a, a Coke, they get whatever they want to drink. He says, you give them a beer at closing. I'm like, they want one. We have Michelob Ultra or whatever. It's nothing great. And he's like, I said, but I want to get one of your beers and I want to do it here. And I want to have it labeled with my name, my name with the beer and all that. And he's like, well, what name? I said, well, closing time, of course, because we do closings. So he said, all right, closing time. And then his graphic designer came up with the graphics that are based on the graphics that are in our closing rooms. We have wraps that are all geometrical like this in our rooms. And he created the closing time. And then he, we came up with a little slogan about liking beers better than lawyers. 
and uh, they brewed it, they canned it, and now every time you come to a closing in my office, you can have a closing time beer. It's not for sale anywhere, just for people to come to closings with us. I love it, man. That's such a great start, great marketing idea. And we have marketed the hell out of that thing. I can't tell you how much marketing we've done. We've had signs up front saying, coming in March, coming in March, and people have been, every time they come in, when's your beer ready? When's your beer ready? So I'm excited about it. It's the greatest marketing thing I've ever come up with. And we even have iPads in our closing rooms for people to select music while they do a closing. And I think this is even better than that. Yeah, it definitely is. Like the iPad music thing's cool. That This is better for sure. I'm, so, awesome. I'm stoked about this. Of course, the problem today is everybody wants to drink one. All my staff is like, well, can we try it? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, five talk, o'clock. We'll try yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Maybe four. <laughs> I might be a nice guy and say four or three. I don't know. Let's uh, see how the day goes. <laughs> awesome all right man before we before we go let me ask you this last question uh what what didn't i ask you about yet that i should have like what's the topic or the thing on your mind that we haven't talked about yet that that uh that i should have well that's uh that is a very wide open question um i, th I think the, the thing we just have to look at with real estate is authenticity yeah. um, i think it's one thing we could have talked about uh, a lot of people doing video and doing TikTok, doing Facebook, whatever it is, those who have gotten the video have got to understand authenticity sells, fakeness doesn't. And so if you're not your true self in these videos, if you're not putting across who you are genuinely as a human being, what interests you, what makes you tick, the consumer can figure that out very quickly. And then your videos become nothing more than just salesmanship, like a, an attorney, uh, you know, the personal injury attorneys on TV are. Nobody believes that stuff. So if you are going to do video, which you should, um, make sure it's you, it's your authentic self. My whole background here is my authentic self. It's all my baseball, my country music, my Cleveland Browns who have Deshaun Watson, by the way. You and I talked about that last time I got Deshaun Watson. We're happy. I got Devontae um, Adams. I'm good. You can have him. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I thought we were going to get stuck with David Carr. So I'm very happy to have Deshaun, even though he does have a little massage problem. Um, but anyway, yes, be authentic, be who you are. That will sell you more than anything in this world. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, Gary, thanks a lot for taking the time out today and uh, and running this back with me on on our show. And I look forward to uh, connecting with you again, my man. Kevin, I really appreciate it. And look forward to getting to know you even better in the years to come, man. All right, guys, that's it for uh, this week's Kevin and Fred show. We'll see you again next week. Did you enjoy today's podcast? Join the Kevin and Fred community, part of EXP Realty and partner with us today. You'll get free access to live trainings two or more times a month, live events and in-person masterminds, digital downloads to help you run and scale your business, and much, much more. To learn more and join our community, visit kevinandfred.com slash contact and contact us today. Not ready to join our community? No problem. Continue enjoying all this great content on our podcast for free.